Hey, welcome to PT Snacks Podcast. This is Casey, your host, and if you're tuning in for the first time, basically what you need to know is that this podcast is for physical therapists and also physical therapist students who want to basically grow their fundamentals, but also have some time to do other things in life. And I know we've had some interviews here and there, um, but today we are going to be covering intermittent claudication, uh, specifically towards vascular. And I don't know about you, I don't really see this a whole lot in my practice. Granted, I'm an outpatient ortho, so not as common for me, but I also want to make sure that if it is the case that someone walks in my door and that this is the source of their pain, I want to make sure that I can catch it. Because this is going to look differently for someone with this rather than if they are presenting with another um, form of referred pain down in the leg. I don't want to waste time when I could be helping them because their treatment is going to look differently. So if this is the case for you, buckle in. Um, we're going to be covering what exactly is it, what it's caused, but also what do we look at in physical therapy and what are the treatments that are used for this so that this patient walks in your door, you know what to do. So first, let's just start with what intermittent claudication is. So think about this, um, think more so peripheral artery disease. Remember, we're talking about the vascular intermittent claudication. So peripheral artery disease often presents as intermittent claudication, or at least it manifests itself as this. And basically what happens is we have atherosclerosis, right? So that's when you're, you've got a bunch of atherosclerotic plaques that basically clog up the lumens of the arteries in your body. So this intermittent claudication is a symptom of atherosclerosis in the lower limbs. And if someone's like the classic sign when somebody's presenting with this is they have a lot of pain and cramps in their lower limbs during exercise. So why do we care about this? Well, for one, this is a pretty important prognostic factor. So if someone in your clinic walks in with this, you're kind of worried about the cardiovascular complications, right? Do we need to be on the lookout for if they have any future infarcts or strokes? Because maybe we should address that, right? Or at least get them to a specialist that can. It also, as proponents of exercises that physical therapists are, this is also going to reduce how much our patients move around. If physical activity hurts, they're going to move less. But then that leads to other things down the road, right? We want to try and prevent that and help our patients. Plus, also, if it's bad enough, then you're worried about ischemic limb loss, which we really don't want for our patients. So yes, we know what it is. Why do we care about it? But what does it sound like? So like I mentioned before, you're going to hear a lot of their aggravating factors kind of sound like I'm, I'm walking down the street um, and it, it starts hurting a lot. And then I just, as the more I walk, the more I walk, the more intense the pain gets. Um, it seems to be linked a lot with walking, right? Their discomfort is really only with exercise, but it just keeps getting worse as the patient keeps walking until they're just forced to stop because it hurts so bad. So what exactly is happening? Well, for one, if you have clogged up arteries, there's going to be a limit in how much blood flow can get to the muscles. The muscles are exercising, right? They are increasing their metabolic demand and they're like, hey, I need oxygen. But the body's arterial system can't get blood flow to the muscles that need it. And so this causes ischemia, which therefore, if there's no oxygen that is being utilized, 
we start using anaerobic glycolysis. So if you need a refresher on muscle metabolism, just go back to episode 10. But essentially what you need to remember is, hey, our body makes the most efficient amount of ATP when we get oxygen in the picture. So we're using anaerobic glycolysis, which releases lactic acid as a byproduct. And then now we're also depleting our ATP and phosphocreatine stores. And the body's still moving, which means that patient's going to have pain. That patient doesn't have pain at rest because there's not as high a metabolic demand and blood flow and oxygen are already replenished. So therefore, our body's vascular system can't keep up with the demand, the supply and demand of the muscles. Now, there's several places that you can get localization of peripheral artery disease, but one of the most common is in the superficial femoral artery, which causes claudication in the calf, hence our kind of hallmark signs that we talk about. So here's some measurements. Um, Now, in terms of like scales that we can use, see like, okay, they've got this, but how bad is it? There's several. There's Rutherford classification. There's Bollinger and geographic classification. Um, one that they use a lot is Fontaine scale for staging atherosclerosis disease in the lower extremities. So there's like stages one through four and increasing severity. So stage one, there's going to be like hardly any clinical symptoms. They might have tingling, numbness, and cold sensitivity. But if someone presents in this stage, we're just mostly looking at, can we modify their risk factors? Stage two is broken up into A and B. So Stage 2A is when they have their symptoms at distances above 200 meters. And then stage 2B is below 200 meters. Both A and B of stage 2 are going to try conservative first. So AKA, they're going to physical therapy. Now, stage 3, these patients are starting to have resting pain. That's no bueno. And then stage 4, now we're looking at they have ulcers of gangrene and necrosis. Both of these, 3 and 4, We're worried about critical limb ischemia and possibly some limb amputation. So let's say this this, uh, patient is coming to see us. They're in maybe like stage two or so. They've already been cleared by their cardiovascular specialist. Things that, um, that might have already been looked at or things that we look at in physical therapy are things like, okay, can we palpate the pulses? So we can look at, okay, do they have an inguinal pulse? Do they have popliteal dorsal regions of the foot and medial ankle? If there's no pulse, that means that probably the area proximal to that just has so much significant narrowing or occlusion that you can't even detect a pulse because it's not getting through. Other things that we can look at are, okay, let's look at their ability to walk. Can they walk? Their maximal claudication distance, MCD, is going to be the distance where the patient is forced to stop because their pain is so bad that they can't continue. And then pain-free walking distance, hence the name, is the distance before pain occurs. So with pain-free distance, if the distance is 100 meters and below, they already pre-qualify for invasive treatment. Another thing that we can look at is the degree of impairment by their ABI or the ankle brachial index. So if it's measured in supine, a normal is like 0.9 to 1.4. In peripheral artery disease, if it's under 0.9, it's not good. And then under 0.4, we're looking at potential critical limb ischemia. Keep in mind, though, you can get some false negatives if this patient has diabetes or renal insufficiency. And again, 
don't forget your integumentary, the appearance of the area. So if they've had long-lasting chronic ischemia, there's probably going to be some hair loss there. They might have some thickened, deformed, slow-growing nails that are a little bit more prone to fungal infections. And then their their muscles and their feet and their shin, because they've had chronic ischemia, are probably going to have a lot of muscle atrophy. And that limb's probably going to be a little pale, especially if you lift it up. All right, so we've determined where they are in the stages, what kind of things that they we can look at as healthcare providers. But now what? How do we treat this? So for one, remember those risk factors I was talking about? So these are things like reducing smoking, helping to get a handle on lipid disorders or hypertension, diabetes, obesity, and stress. All these have a role to play in peripheral artery disease. And then we want to get them on a walking program, which might seem counterintuitive, right, for our patients because they're like, I have pain with walking, but we want them to be able to walk, right? So the ESC and TASC2 guidelines have recommendations for like how to put a handle on this walking program. And because ideally the gold standard is a supervised walking program, but not a lot of people can do this realistically. So the goal is let's train them for 30 to 60 minutes, three times a week, three months for a minimum. And then they'll stick them at a treadmill at like 3.2 kilometers per hour with increasing inclination of the treadmill. But here's the thing, you want to avoid maximum pain but you stop at moderate, not mild, but moderate. So this is hard. This is why supervised is the gold standard because it's hard for patients to get a handle on what moderate means. So obviously we don't want to put patients on this if they have unstable coronary heart disease or ischemic neurological disorders and even some muscular and joint disorders. But if they've been cleared by their uh, physician, probably okay. Alternatives too. I mean, patients can bike, they can do Nordic walking, upper extremity training if they can't move their lower limbs just to get some global cardio benefit. All right. So hopefully that makes sense. That is intermittent claudication. Um, again, if you guys have any questions at all, please reach out. You can find me at PT Snacks Podcast on Instagram or, you know, shoot out an email, ptsnackspodcast at gmail.com. Um, I'm here to help and I hope that this is helpful. Likewise, if you found this helpful, please write a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps me out. Um, but actually, probably what's going to be more helpful is that if you like this podcast, just tell one person for me that you think would benefit from it, not maybe not your mom, but like someone that truly wants to study physical therapy more. And if you want to help monetarily, uh, I have a link to buy me a coffee that every little bit counts. If you want to commit to doing like $3 a month, that's like, hey, buy me a, a black coffee a month. Uh, that just helps me to be able to cover my overhead for making this podcast and then also making sure that I can still put aside time to, you know, research the topics and try and get good guests and make sure that the the quality is there so that I'm actually helpful. So all in all, thank you so much for tuning in and until next time.